years of our struggle is not my fault. All this I lost my friends, I lost my baby. Let me smoke and cry. Could it today? Want to change? He wanted us. So I could give it a try. Well, I do feel. Broadcast. We have Daniel Pollock, head coach of Butler University and the 2018 ITA Mountain Region Assistant Head Coach of the Year. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, and we're just going to give a few more statistics on Daniel's great seasons, seasons, excuse me, uh, with Utah. He was 63 and 39 with this team. That he helped bring this team to number one in the region, the first time in the school's history. Just talk to us about what the experience was coaching this team and kind of taking them from a place where you're not as strong to being the number one team in the region. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it all started with recruiting. Uh, we had to get out there all over the globe and um, and kind of bringing guys that that we saw had huge upside uh, in their games and, and try to really um, uncover guys that were a little bit under the radar sure. because at the time we didn't have the ranking in front of our name to, mm -hmm. to bring in the big guns. Um, and then from there, it was really taking the professionalism of the program to another level, uh, bringing in all facets uh, of things that can, can help your performance, bringing in a, a more tennis-specific off-court training program, bringing in sports psychology, right. bringing in nutritionists, and then pushing them you know, harder than they've ever really worked before on the tennis court too. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, talk to us a little bit about the recruiting process because I think that's something that – isn't shown enough in the college kind of collegiate process. We, we really think that, uh, you know, it just kind of happens, you know, players yeah. <laughs> see the school they want to go to and they show up, but there is a lot of coach involvement. How do you find these guys that are kind of underrated and, and under the radar? Do you go to smaller tournaments or what, what's your kind of process there? Um, I'm fortunate now, um, you know, I've, this will be year number 12 coaching. So, um, <laughs> you got the experience. a little bit, yeah. And I, I've kind of developed a worldwide network uh, of sure. contacts, um, you know, throughout Europe, especially, uh, I have a lot of people that are always kind of on the lookout for me, um, for players and they'll drop me a line if, if there's somebody that they think I should take a look at. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, then it's all about, you know, kind of scouring the different federation websites and, mm -hmm. and scour, you know, scouring through the results. Um, and then, yeah, picking those one or two tournaments a year where you feel like you can see the most players but maybe not always the most decorated players guys that have maybe had a really close match against a guy that was number one in his nation where did he go to play his tournament that right kind of stuff. absolutely and so i don't want to harp too much on your past yeah. here i would love to talk about your new job at butler's head mm -hmm. coach uh what are your goals for the season are you excited absolutely thrilled couldn't be more excited to be here awesome city of Indianapolis. Uh, yeah. um, you know, people here have just been fantastic to me. You know, you, you hear about the hospitality in this part of the world, but I've been really overwhelmed to actually, you know, feel it firsthand. Yeah, um, you know, the, the family feeling that, that all, everyone talks about at Butler is, it's real. Um, and then, yeah, my goals for the season, I got big goals. We got six seniors on this team. Um, this is their last chance at a Big East mm -hmm. championship. And a lot of those guys, they won that Big East Championship uh, in 2017, had a little bit of a rough run of it last year, first-round mm -hmm. exit, but they know what it takes to get there. They know what it takes right. to win at that level, uh, and hopefully we're going to push them 
kind of using that professional approach that I used at Utah or um, push them to another level and, and take home that, that title. Absolutely. And uh, obviously with 16 years, you're going to have quite the recruiting process ahead of mm -hmm. you next year. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I do want to talk about, I noticed that you were the head of a women's program at the University of Idaho. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just curious your take on the difference between coaching a women's team and a men's team. Obviously, there should be some pretty drastic differences there. Um, you know, when Maybe not. Maybe I'm totally wrong. I have no, no experience. No, no, so. you're <laughs> fine. You're fine. Um, you know, I think the differences are maybe a little less than, than you might think. Sure. I mean, when you're coaching elite athletes, you're coaching elite athletes. Uh, you know, and if they're there to get better and improve, um, you know, a lot of the stuff is very similar. Sure. Um, you know, a few different ways that I, you know, used to communicate uh, my points to a women's team versus a men's team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really, there wasn't a huge difference in um, – in really my approach to how I coached them. Um, I was very fortunate. My women's team was awesome. Um, still have great relationships with a lot of those girls that That's I coach great. today. And, and um, yeah, I mean, honestly, when you're coaching elite athletes that want to improve, there's not a huge difference. I hear you there. Now, I guess on the topic of coaching, something that we've talked a lot about on our podcast, on our live show, is the, the topic of coaching on court. So, obviously, mm -hmm. in college, on the WTA, you do have that ability what are your thoughts on that? Do you enjoy being able to coach on court? Do you think it's something that you should leave more up to the player to figure out themselves? Just kind of talk us through that. Yeah, I, I love the ability to coach on court. I, I think it brings a whole new, uh, a whole different kind of feel to college uh, college sports. And, sure. And you know what? Part of me is a purist. I know I grew up in England and, you know, we have Wimbledon, probably the most yeah. pure classical tournament mm -hmm. in the world. And, and part of me is a purist that on the ATP tour, you know, there's something special about not being able to coach. But mm -hmm. um, I love the, the aspect of coaching on court with my guys, um, you know, being able to talk them through different situations as a learning experience, that kind of stuff. I, I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably more on the side with you of being a traditionalist. I think there's such a aspect of being out there on your own. It's you, the racket, the ball, the court, and your yeah. opponent. And you got to figure it out on your own. I think there's mm -hmm. such a amazing feature of our sport that is unlike any other sport that, yeah. I don't know, I, I think we should probably <laughs> take it away and maybe not bring it to the ATP, but that's my own my own thought. Um, another question for you that, that we've brought on to the podcast a bunch uh, is this recent incident at the U.S. Open with Mohammed at, as the line judge, stepping down, talking with Curious. I don't know if you saw this moment or if you heard about it. Um, basically, to set up a little context for those who didn't see it, the line judge stepped down, told Curious that, you know, you look like you're about to tank this match. Let's not do it. Give him a little pep talk. Do you think he overstepped his boundaries there? Maybe a little bit. Okay. Maybe a little bit. I mean... I think you do have to warn players, though. I think they, de they definitely ha should have a warning when um, before you're about to code them, uh, that kind of that kind of thing. Um, but to kind of give him a pep talk and be like, "Hey, you know, just make you know keep yourself in check." I don't know if if um, if maybe he did step over a little bit. Um, you know, we do have a warning system in place that's already supposed to take care of that. Right. Um, but. You know, I, you love Kyrgios. You want to see him out there. I think he brings a lot of attention to our sport in a good way when he's, uh, you know, when he's the good Kyrgios. And so, fun to watch. you know, I'm kind of glad that he stepped down there and kind of <laughs> encouraged him to do the right thing as a fan. Yeah. But, um, yeah, maybe with the, the rules of the game, I, I don't know if that was really the right thing to do. It's questionable, but <laughs> yeah. I, I won't put you too much on the spot <laughs> I for that one. appreciate it. Uh, one more question that we've asked in the past. And, again, I, I like to ask these questions to everyone because I think it's interesting seeing the different perspectives. Uh, one thing that we've we've asked is what we think about college being a good setup for the pros 
or if we think it's something that might hold a player back, they could have had the chance to go play a few more tournaments earlier on in their career. Um, kind of your thoughts on whether a lot of your players who have pro aspirations, whether college is a good thing for them. Uh, I think there's honestly there's nothing better now with the the way that the game is evolving and and people peaking later and later in their career um, than going to college first. Um, obviously, if you're gonna make that jump and you can go straight into the top hundreds an 18 year old, okay, then you probably shouldn't be Different going to story. college. Sure. Yeah, but um, what I always tell people is I think of of college as almost like a soft opening to your career, as in like a soft opening of a restaurant mm-hmm. where you get the ability to go out there and you get to try. Um, you know, and week in, week out, you're playing against great competition, but at the same time, your money that you're making is not saying, okay, I can't play next week's tournament. Right. You know, if you lose for me, I'm still going to fly you home. I'm <laughs> yeah. still going to, you know, I'm still, still going to bed. Yeah, you're still going to have a bed and some food. <laughs> and it's not going to, you know, you're not going to be just kind of hung out to dry. Oh, I can't play next week because I don't have any money. So, right. you know, just like a soft opening of a restaurant, you get some criticism, you get some feedback from some people that are maybe more friendly or, sure. or you know, um, some people that not know the what the online critics. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> So college is kind of the same way, you know. Sure. We're still going to fly you out next week to the match. I'm still going to give you a nice hotel room. I'm still going to give you some food, and I'm going to put you out there on the line and try and teach you again, you know, how you can improve. And I think, you know, four years of that, hopefully, you know, from freshman to senior, I don't have to give you as much input. Hopefully, you're, you're kind of learning to do things Learn on, on your own, own a little sure. bit more. Um, hopefully, you're ready to roll on your own when we, um, you know, when we send you out of the door at 22 and you're physically and just mentally more mature at that age, too. I hear that. I think one of the biggest benefits is also the double side. I think so mm-hmm. many of these young next-gens, and we've talked about this a bunch, don't quite have the comfortable uh, net play, the yeah. net presence. They kind of stayed back, hit from the base, and I think playing doubles obviously gives you that confidence to come to the net and do that. So mm-hmm. another aspect that personally I think is great about college tennis. Great point. Um, I know we want to get back to watching this match, so no, a few more fine. questions for you here. Obviously, I think we're at... What are we at, Dalton? We're at uh, This is 3-5. Djokovic is up 5-3. So Djokovic right. serving for the set. Obviously, you know, we've got a little insight to where this match is going now, but mm-hmm. predictions for the rest of this match. Who do you think's got this? Uh, it's Honestly, it's hard for me as a guy that likes to play the percentages um, to bet against Djokovic. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, you know, I, I just feel like Delpo has to be at his absolute very best to beat Joker, whereas I feel like Joker can win this match maybe not quite at his 100%. Okay. Um, that's kind of how I see it, but it's a, it's an unbelievable matchup. I mean, you got the guy who's probably got the best defensive movement skills in the sport yeah. in Novak versus the guy that is probably one of the few people in the world that can hit through those skills in Delpo. <laughs> yes. um, you know, that so forehand it, is crazy. Right? So it's going to be a little bit about, um, you know, Djokovic neutralizing that forehand in that first serve uh, with his defensive movement and, and just how much is Delpo going to be on with that forehand? Can, can he hit through Djokovic's skills? I hear you. I mean, that forehand is pretty much going to be the game changer today if he can hit some uh, some more 117-mile-an-hour right. forehands. <laughs> you, you can't really do anything with that. No, I don't think I've ever hit a serve that hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I was saying Gruskin definitely can't. So. Uh, but last question here for you. Obviously, we are cracked rackets. We always ask if there's a good story, either personally or as a college coach. I'm sure you've seen your fair share of cracked rackets. Maybe. Any good stories <laughs> that you're allowed to share of a, of a cracked racket? I think my my only time I've ever cracked a, a racket in, in my life, I was 14 years old. I cracked a racket and threw it onto the clubhouse roof over the fence <laughs> in Manchester, England. And my mom said, that's the last racket that we ever buy for you. 
And uh, after <laughs> my that, mom I, said the same thing to me. <laughs> I never cracked another one. Luckily, I, I got sponsored a little bit later on, but um, I learned my lesson from there and mm -hmm. um, yeah, never cracked another racket. So the Pollock household was not a fun place to be that night. Uh, so <laughs> well, there you go. I'm sure your players won't be cracking their rackets either. No. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us. Good luck to you this season, and uh, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Sure.